and they drive the sheep all over from behind and beside. But Babe learns that's not actually the real way that you should lead the sheep. And one day along his journey, what he does is he learns from one of the sheep that what he's supposed to do is learn the right words and then the sheep will listen to his voice. And rather than driving them and biting at them and yelling at them, what he ends up doing is saying, come, follow me. Ba-ram you. And he says some other words and leads them off and they follow his voice. This is what it would have been like for the shepherds. Rather than being like the dogs who tried to push people around and tried to corral them to go and they'd come over here and kind of yell at them and go over there and kind of yell at them, what God does is he calls out from afar. And so what the shepherds in Jesus' day would do is they would pen their sheep together at night so that they would be protected, being a very valuable agricultural resource necessary for the sustainability of their culture. They would protect them. They'd have guards who would watch them by night. And then in the morning, when it was time to take them out to feed them or water them or shear them, what they would do is they would all stand around all the different shepherds in different parts of the field, and they would start to call their sheep. Now, every single shepherd had a different call. So one shepherd over here up on the hillside might say, hey, sheep, come over here. Come over here, sheep. And his sheep would know his voice, and so what they would do is they would work their way out of the crowd and come off over here. Another shepherd might sit over here and he might like the whistling approach. Come here. Come here. And his sheep would somehow know that it was his voice and they would follow him. And then all through the day what would happen is as these different shepherds went off, they would walk in front of their sheep. And as they walked in front of their sheep, they would talk to their sheep. And as they did this, they developed a relationship with their sheep. Sounds weird, I know, but this is what they did. And what would happen is these sheep would become so attuned over their life that it didn't matter where their shepherd was, they would be able to hear their voice even amongst all the other yells and calls. Slowly but surely, the people would be able to hear God's voice. You see how that segues in? That's what Jesus is trying to say. He's trying to say, I am like the shepherd. I'm calling you. What I want you to do is learn to distinguish my voice. And so this is what Jesus begins to do. He begins to do it for us individually and together corporately. One of the things we're talking about is part of this vision discernment is that we're trying to listen to God's voice. And we're doing that together as a collective, seeing where is God calling us? But he's also doing that for us as individuals. God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. He wants to lead us and guide us so that we learn how to live like him and for him in every one of our lives throughout the weeks, throughout the months, throughout the years, until we're with him for eternity. But what's really important as we try to consider this is we need to figure out how do we distinguish his voice from all the rest. And this is really a key part of any relationship, right? I mean, imagine if your best friend called 
and you're like, what, who's this? Or if your spouse picked up the phone and every time what you got on the other end was, I'm sorry, what, who are you? Why are you calling me? That'd be a pretty obvious sign of a lousy relationship, right? No, what happens in a real healthy relationship is we begin to understand each other's voice by the amount of time that we spend with one another. Like I said, I I spent a ton of time on the phone this week, so much to the point that I just stopped looking at who it was because I just knew it was going to be one of a handful of people or organizations, and I'd just pick up the phone and say, hello? And what's interesting is that those I didn't know would start to talk, and I'd go, what, who is this? And I'd have to kind of look down at my phone and be like, oh, yeah, it's service master. Oh, yeah, it's the insurance agent. But as soon as my wife called or one of my parents or my in-laws called, I would go, oh yeah. And they could just start talking and I knew exactly who it was and I could just kind of continue on sometimes in the middle of a conversation. We're sort of picking up where we had last left off and that was a sign of a healthy relationship. And so that's what I want us to get to as we explore this topic of seeking God as a church. I want us to get to the point where as we're going through life, we can come to a place where we know God's voice. Now, it's not always going to be audible. In fact, most of the time, it's not going to be. But I want us to come to a place where we can just kind of go, hmm, is this maybe God's leading for me in this moment? Yeah, yeah, it is. And then we are able to follow after him and accomplish his will and see what he would have for our lives and the lives of those around us through us. You know, for Jesus, being a disciple, being one of his followers, isn't just about knowing the right things about him. It's not just about engaging in these spiritual practices. Instead, it's about having a real interactive relationship. We see this classically all through scripture when we see Jesus interacting with his first disciples. And one of those conversations took place with a woman named Mary. Now it was said that Mary was one who would sit at the Lord's feet and listen to what he had to say. This expression that we read comes from the story where Mary and Martha, two sisters, are having Jesus over to their house. And what happens? Well, Martha, she goes and she gets busy. She cleans the house. She starts cooking. She puts the tea on. She begins to do all the busy work. Whereas you see her sister, Mary, sit down and listen. Now, this expression, to sit at someone's feet, is actually a common expression in Jesus' time to mean it is to spend time with someone for the purpose of becoming like them. That's what discipleship was all about in Jesus' day. It was about learning from someone so closely that you would understand their voice so clearly that when you went out away from them, you could say the things they would say, you could teach the things that they would teach. You would know how to interact in any moment just like they would interact and do. This was the core of discipleship. It was to live out that relationship even when the person wasn't there. But while that's a core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, sadly many of us struggle at listening. Who's good at talking to God in prayer? 
anyone brave enough? It's okay. It's a good thing, right? We're used to that, right? Like that's sort of our, our norm. When we think of prayer and talking to God, what we think of is talking with God. What we mean is talking at God. I mean, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at being like, oh, Lord, it is a very stressful day. This is what's going on. Can you help me with this, 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 this? Oh, God, I'm really upset about these things that are going on in these people's lives. Could you help so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so? Oh, God, I really need wisdom for this. Could you give me direction and the answers that I need for this, 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 this? Most of us are pretty good at that. We're good at doing the prayer list sort of thing. What becomes harder, though, is the second part of the conversation, or perhaps what should be the first part of the conversation, which is the listening piece. And... Let's be honest, it's difficult because it doesn't always feel like Jesus is in the room. You know, we say all the time, we know God is everywhere, he's with us, that his Holy Spirit's living in us, but we say that, but then we kind of get to this point of prayer where we're like, man, it feels like I'm talking into space, and when I go to listen, I'm just listening to nothingness. Have you been there? It's just me? I hope not. But this is where we go, right? We get this understanding of, of that we're supposed to be this in relationship, but we kind of get to this place where we're like, well, I don't know how. I just, I just don't get anything out of it. And I think part of the problem is we have this understanding of listening as being hearing the audible words that someone speaks. Well, very rarely do we actually see in Scripture uh, uh, times where God speaks audibly at people. Now, don't get me wrong, it does happen quite a bit, and a lot of the key stories we look at are things we understand, but we also see that God talks and speaks to people in a whole bunch of different ways. And so today what I want to do is explore some of those things so we begin to sort of open up ourselves to experiencing the voice of God in a whole bunch of different ways. And so I'm going to share with you concepts that are all throughout Scripture and also concepts that have been passed down through all of church history since the establishment of the church. So how do we know when we're hearing God's voice? Where do we go? Well, the first place we need to start is with Jesus himself. Let's listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 1. It said, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. How do we understand what God might be saying to us? Well, we look at what his son said and did. This isn't to say that everything Jesus says is the only thing we look at in the Bible. And, you know, there's some people who call themselves red-letter Christians and they pick up the Bible that have Jesus' words in red and they're like, this is the most important thing. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying is God's clearest communication to us is through himself. Jesus, as God himself, came down to earth to show us how we could live by living a perfect life. And along the way, he gave lessons. We think of things like the Sermon on the Mount, the teachings to the different 
disciples, the different times he interacted with the Pharisees around what it meant to be a spiritual person. When he talked to people who were far away from God, he gave them examples and stories and then led them into life-giving relationship with him. This is what it means to hear from God. If you want to hear God's voice, you go to the source himself. One of the great things that we can do is go to the word. Now, this is something I really found convicting in the last uh, maybe year or two of my life. You know, all as I grew up, uh, I think with the right heart but in the wrong way, I was taught that this is the word of God. Follow with me. I'm not going into heresy here. Hang out. When scripture talks about the word of God, it's not talking about these pages. What it's actually talking about is Jesus himself. Listen to John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we're told that God's Word goes on to create all things, just like what we read in Hebrews a minute ago. So often I have been guilty of this, tossing around the term, the Word of God. I want to hear a word from God, and then I go about ignoring Jesus. I say, I'm going to learn a lot from the word of God, and I get into Bible study and learn the technical parsing of Greek verbs and how that can help me understand the original first century intention. Meanwhile, Jesus is over here going, remember I did that thing? You could pay attention to that, Kyle. Jesus is the word of God, and if we want to hear from God, we need to look to him. If we want to know, God, how am I supposed to tackle this situation? As cheesy as it is, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Let's look. He inspired a bunch of authors to write it down so that we could look to him. Jesus is the primary place that we should be looking for God's wisdom. And what I mean by that is even as we look at scripture... We look towards Jesus. The best students of the Bible know that the whole time we're reading the Old Testament, we're looking at it with a lens of looking at the cross. How does this lead us towards the cross? How does this bring me towards Jesus? What is this telling me about what God wanted and how he was going to accomplish it? Then when I'm on the back half of the Bible, I'm doing the opposite. I'm turning the other way and looking at how from the cross am I supposed to understand what it means to be a person who goes out into the world? How do we understand how we're supposed to live as a church community, right? Paul wrote all those letters to all those churches who faced all the same problems our church faced. And he says, what I want you to do is look at those problems through the lens of Jesus and what his life, death, and resurrection meant moving forward. So we look at Jesus as the word. And if we're ignoring him, we're ignoring the voice of God. But that's how we do go into this whole of scripture. Just like I said, we look forward and back through scripture so that we can understand both how God has spoken to other people 
right? We can have great examples of how there's different people, and we often think of sort of the heroes of faith, David and Moses and, and Joseph and Esther and Daniel, and we think of these people, and we can learn from how God spoke to them, and we can consider some of those things. We can look at how God spoke to his original audience in certain situations, and we can kind of take that apart and try to understand principles that God had given his people. We can start to try to understand the wisdom that there is. You know, when we study Bible, we, we often do it wrong. I've been guilty of this. I've often studied the Bible inside and out to understand what the Bible is. That's the wrong motive. As I study the Bible, what it's meant to give is insight into God and his wisdom for me to live. We've understood this all the time since the early church, and there's actually this great practice which has actually been guiding people since the early establishment of the church, and I think we have in many ways lost it. It's this old practice that goes by a Latin phrase, Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina in Latin is translated into English as divine reading. There's a practice that people have been doing for centuries where what we do is we pick up scripture and we slowly and carefully and prayerfully look at what God would have to say to us. Here's how you do it. As you're doing your devotional readings, rather than just going, okay, you know what, I'm going to do the Bible in a year, or the Bible in the next two years, or I'm going to do the New Testament in the next 90 days, rather than just getting open your Bible and going, all right, I got my checklist. I got to get these chapters done. Check, check, check. I didn't hear from God. What we can do is we can be invited into this practice. And what we do is we pick up somewhere as we're journeying along through something that we're reading, maybe I really want to learn from Jesus' life, and so I'm in the Gospels. Right? This is what I even did with this week's passage. And I went John chapter 10, verse 2 to 6. I knew we were going to be focusing there. And I just said, okay, Lord, as I read through this passage, would you highlight something to me? Would you allow something to sort of live and kind of pop up off the page? And I slowly read it. And then I consider it. Did something kind of stand out to me? Okay, maybe, maybe a word pops out. Or maybe a phrase. All right, Lord, as I read this again, how can I understand that a little bit better? Yeah, there's some good Bible study techniques and tools we can use to understand the context surrounding it. We're not just pulling it out of thin air, but what we're doing is we're just inviting God in to our mind. To, him, to our heart, because he's already here. Scripture lives. It tells us that. And we experience that. And then I go back through it. All right, Lord, what are you saying to me? Maybe the same thing will kind of come clearer. Maybe it's another word or another phrase that begins to sort of live on the page. All right, Lord, what, what could that mean for me? Lord, you're, you're talking about how we can, we can listen to your voice and we can learn to distinguish it. The sheep don't go after the stranger's voice. God, am I going after the stranger's voice? Am I listening to yours? And I prayerfully 
through reflection and just reading the scriptures over and over again, sometimes just a couple verses at a time, I allow God to speak through that. It's an amazing practice that we, we've, for some reason, often kind of set to the side in, in, in exchange for, what, a checklist? And I wonder why we don't hear from God. I'd encourage you, one of the things that we have in the, in the front entrance is just these little bookmarks, and one of them says Lectio Divina, and it's just a little outline of how you can do this, and this is a great tool. I had it for the last year or so, and I just keep it tucked in my Bible where I'm reading next, and it just reminds me, okay, get ready, read, reflect, respond, rest, return, and there's a little blurb in each time. This is something you can do. Another amazing tool to help you in this is uh, there's an, an app called Lectio 365. And uh, you can do it just on your web browser. You can download it on your phone. And every single day, there's one of these reflective readings. And you can either listen to it or you can read through it, whatever sort of your best. And it's just a way to help you kind of work through carefully, prayerfully, not for the point of doing it as your checklist to do thing for a day, but really to just rest with God, to say, hey God, I'm opening myself up to what you would have to say to me. Now as we do this, it's very important that we start to also check our understandings with other things around us. But we're going to come back to that. Another thing that we can do in order to hear from the voice of God, is to open ourselves up in Christian community. A big part of why God brings his people together to these little local congregations is so that he can use people he wants to put together to speak into one another's lives. In certain circles, we might call this, right, the prophetic now, I know that word freaks out some people, and I want you to hang on here, because uh, there's scripture that speaks this, but the prophetic, or the voice of God through others, isn't something mysterious, it's not something powerful in and of itself. What it really is, is God orchestrating the people he's put together on earth to use them within one another's lives to pass on encouragement, strength, Words of comfort. This is what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It says, but the one who prophesies, this is what someone's doing in community. They're sharing what God would have for somebody, and what they do is they speak to people for their strength, encouragement, and comfort. Now, I know there's those people who have had this experience where maybe you've been in a context that sort of really embraces this, and you've seen it go negatively. For you, what I want to say is, that's because it was done wrong. The prophetic voice of God, first and foremost, will never stand in contrast to what Jesus said or did or to anything else that's in Scripture. So when people try to use it as a uh, listen-to-me sort of thing, it's being done. When we share an encouraging word with one another, what we're really meant to do is this. Hey, I'm sensing there's this thing that God might want me to share with you. And then what is it? It's something that provides strength, encouragement, or comfort. That's what we read in Scripture. 
whenever we hear somebody, maybe it's not even as explicit as that, where they say, hey, I think I have this word, but maybe they're just saying something as well that's just insightful. It just makes something click, right? This happens to me all the time in community group. We're talking about something in our discussion, and then someone says something, and then something kind of goes off in my brain, and it's like, ah, I didn't think about that. Oh, that's a great insight. Oh, that's what I need. Well, what I do is I don't just take that and go, oh, that was the voice of God. What I do is I bring it back. I bring it back to Jesus. I bring it back to Scripture, and I consider it. And if the two are in harmony, then I begin to go, ah, Maybe God's speaking to me. Don't take this wrong and think that there's not error. People will be mistaken. People will sometimes just try to be encouraging and really they miss the mark. There will be other times where people try to deliver something and really it's fueled by their own motivation and we need to carve away those things. But we shouldn't be close to those things. Sometimes we as Baptists, for those who would identify that way, often will go, well, we don't want to be like those charismatics. Well, that's wrong. To be a charismatic is to be someone who listens to the Spirit. What I encourage us to do, though, is be charismatics with a seatbelt. Right? That's what I try to be. I'm open to the things of God and how God will move in and through other people and the voices that they speak, but I also have that seatbelt, which is I'm going to always check on this. I'm going to always bring this back to God to make sure that he's leading. But if he is, I'm going to press into it. And I'm going to know it's, it's safe and it's for my good as I explore this voice that I've heard through somebody else. Let me give you another practice. This practice is simply called listening prayer. It's actually just listening, not speaking. It's a practice that many of us get uncomfortable with. And I have to tell you, I have been struggling in learning this for years. Like, I get the concept, but it's hard for me. I'm like wildly ADHD. My brain flies a thousand times a minute in different directions. And so to sit and listen is really difficult when there's not the face of the person right in front of me. But through discipline and through seeking what God would have, the good thing is that the Holy Spirit has worked in me to allow me to get better at this practice. Not perfect, but better. But what listening prayer is, is it's opening up our heart and mind to God speaking to us. One of the things that we've misunderstood oftentimes when people said, oh, I hear from God. And I've said this before from up here. I'm like, ah, I heard God say this. Well, I have on maybe two occasions heard God audibly speak to me. But most of the time, what I mean is this, is my thoughts have been redirected in a way that I can tell is from him. My heart has been realigned in a direction that it's not normally inclined, and it lines up with his. Some people say, why don't we hear the voice of God? Well, God doesn't need to speak audibly. God lives within us by his Holy Spirit and can turn our hearts and mind towards his. The prophet Elijah describes it as the still small voice which redirects his mind. 
And this is what he does. And so what we do is we take a seat. And I encourage you, if you're going to try to practice this, just find somewhere where you're really comfortable and easy to be at rest. For me, it's on this one corner in the one couch in our living room. I just find it comfortable. I just grab a position where I can just kind of sit and stay still and not worry about, you know, am I comfortable or not? And then I just sit. I slow my thoughts and breathing come to a place of rest and then I say Holy Spirit come actually for me one of the things that I have found helpful and might help for you is I just to enter into a place where I can first be still and have my mind focus is I just repeat Holy Spirit speak to me Father be glorified Holy Spirit speak to me Jesus be glorified Holy Spirit speak to me Spirit, be glorified. And as I do that, I just say, Lord, I'm here. Speak to me. And sometimes, not every time, but sometimes what happens is I realize that as I've been wrestling through something, whether it's something that we're wrestling through here as a church or someone I'm trying to count, something I'm trying to counsel someone through or maybe something that's going on for me personally or something in our family situation is I find that God can bring my mind there and give me direction. And then I take that and I go back, go back to scripture, go back to Jesus and look for ways that I can hear things. Now, if this is a practice that you would like to participate in, let me give you a few pieces of practical advice. Go pee, eat something, and bring a pen and paper. I mean, that sounds silly, but really, I truly believe that the enemy of God will do whatever he can to keep you from spending time with Jesus. You know what he does to me? He makes me hungry. He makes me thirsty. He reminds me that I have to go to the bathroom. And all sorts of things that I haven't even ever thought about in the last week suddenly start flying around my head. And so what I've learned is to be practical, to prepare myself, is I get ready to rest with Jesus. I eat something, then I go use the bathroom, grab myself a glass of water and a pen and paper, and then what I do is I sit down. And if I get, oh, and I also silence my phone. Put away your phone, put away your electronics. If you're going to do this with the Bible, open up a paper Bible. There's nothing wrong with a Bible on a phone, but it will distract you. And what I do is I just sit there. And if something comes into my mind that starts distracting me, or, you know, it's, oh, yeah, I need to do that thing, or, oh, I need to call this person, or whatever it is, I just simply write it down and I let it rest. I can come back to that when I'm done. I don't have to eat something. I don't have to go to the bathroom. If I'm thirsty, I just take a sip and I just rest. And every time I get distracted, I just come back. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Father, be glorified. And I just reset. Maybe I'm back down a rabbit hole. Lord, please just help redirect me. Now, I describe that in all these words, and it can seem like it's, it's really this huge thing, but it really doesn't take a lot. And I just take the time I can. You know, I, I have 
young kids at home, it's crazy. And I just, I just find the moments. Sometimes it's an evening after they go to bed. Sometimes I squeeze in time between sending them off to school and coming into the office and I put it there. Sometimes it's just an opportunity at lunch instead of eating with the staff in the room, I'll sit in my office by myself and, and, and just do this. It can take five minutes, it can take 10 minutes, it can take two minutes, it can take one minute, it can take 30 minutes. I just give that opportunity for God to speak. So often we don't hear the voice of God because we don't take time to listen. We need to involve this practice into our lives. Now again, as we participate in all these things, one of the things that might come up in your life is questioning, is this really what God says? Maybe I've got, or maybe I've got conflicting voices inside my head. And I'm like, which one is it? How do I know? Well, for this, I do what I call discernment by triangulation. Many of you know uh, a a part of my uh, schooling in college was taking a wilderness leadership program. And I worked uh, doing some guided trips for a number of years. And as you learn to do that, what you have to do to be a good leader in the wilderness is learn how to figure out where you are without a phone or GPS. Batteries run out. Things drop on the ground and break, get wet, and you can't use them. And so what you have to do is you have to become good at being able to figure out where am I in the wilderness. And here's how you do it. You grab out your map, you grab out your company compass, and you find a fixed point where you can make two very, make out two or three very clearly distinguishable points that you can find on a map. And what you do is as I see, maybe I'm, I see a certain mountain peak over there and I see a certain bend of the river over here. Or, and if I'm lucky, maybe I have a third point. What I do is I figure out what is my angle towards them. Okay, that's at X degree off of the position I am. This is at X degree off the position I am. And what you do is you have a, a compass like that that has an edge on it and you draw a line. And where those lines intersect tells me exactly where I am. We can do the same thing as we listen to the voice of God. This is something I practice regularly. I'll have a thought that comes into my mind and I'm wrestling with it. I'm like, oh man, there's this, but they're all, it also could be that. Which one am I supposed to do? Well, what I do is I say, Lord, would you help me to identify your voice in this. And then I wait. Sometimes not necessarily literally, like I'm not just sitting there and, you know, I I could if I'm doing a time of listening prayer, but often what I'll do is I'll just try to keep the radar on as I'm going throughout the week. And sometimes what will happen is, like I said, I'll go to community group and someone will say something and I'm like, that's it. There's another place that I'm hearing the same sort of thing from God. Sometimes what will happen, it will be my devotions later on, the next week or the next day or whenever, and I just, I just get a clear sense that God's speaking, and oh, these two things or these three things align. Ah, that's it. And 
then I press in and lean in, and if it doesn't disagree with Jesus and his teachings and his life, it's not in contrast to scripture, I take a step of faith, trusting in the Holy Spirit to catch me if I'm wrong. And as I listen, I respond to him. It's not rocket science to listen to the voice of God, but it does take practice. One of the ways it takes practice is it also takes practice being uncomfortable. I got to warn you of this. If you really want to listen to the voice of God in your day-to-day life, you're not always going to like it. If every time God speaks to you, it is always exactly what you were thinking or wanting, breaking news, you're not listening to him. God is perfect, you and I are not. God's will is right, your and I's desires are often wrong. God knows what someone else needs, you usually don't. These are the truths about what's going on. We're sinful people. We need to be disciplined if we're going to become more like him. There's going to be times as you do this that yes, you're going to be comforted by God. Yes, God's going to give you a clear word that you're going to be able to follow and it leads towards places where you're just sort of like, yes, this is a mountaintop experience. But there's going to be other times, and you have to get comfortable with this, that God's going to go, you are completely wrong. You need to change this. You are holding on to an idol. You need to surrender that and it's going to hurt to carve it out of your heart and life. We have to be okay with confrontation. Not because we want confrontation, but because we are his. And we need to trust him. Look what he's provided through the cross. There was confrontation even in that. For God to make a way for us, there was death. We have to be ready for that. And so we have to be practiced to say yes as God speaks to us in a different direction than we want him to. But as we do that, what we begin to understand is that we go away from the stranger or enemy's voice and we go in towards him. And he's leading us to good places, places that are life-giving for us, for our church community, for the lives of our family and friends and coworkers and classmates. And as we continue to say yes, as we continue to practice this, what we happens is we begin to learn his voice. I think it's very intentional that Jesus chose the metaphor of a shepherd and sheep. Sheep are incredibly valuable, but they're incredibly dumb and slow. Just like me. I need to learn. I'm going to stumble and fall, but I recognize that I am his and he is mine. And he's leading me to a better place. And that's what each of us needs to seek. And so I encourage you this week, take time. Try different practices. If you're not in community with other Christians, like you just kind of show up to church on Sunday and do your own thing, I encourage you to find people in community, whether it's people at church or in your workplace who you can get together with or family and friends, and have real conversations about things that matter and allow God to speak through that. 
open up scripture, study Jesus' life, study all that has been gone on in the past that has been written down and, and look for God. Practice Lectio Divina sometime this week. Practice listening prayer. You can find time to binge watch something on Netflix. You can find five minutes somewhere this week to sit and rest and listen to him. And as you do, my prayer for you, for each and every one of us, is that we would learn to understand our shepherd's voice and that we would experience the fruit that comes from listening to him. And as we consider that, what we're going to do is we're going to move into a time of communion. Communion is an incredible time that God has to speak to us. It's communing, right? It's spending time with God and with our church family. But today we're going to do communion a little bit differently. And that is that I want us to use it as an opportunity to listen to him. I want us to take communion. And so in a, in a, in a couple moments after I pray, the band's going to come up on the stage and they're going to uh, lead a song of worship. And during that time, you're invited to come to one of the six stations. There's three in the front, three in the back. If you can't get up, put up your hand. Hannah will bring you the elements. But I want you to just take the elements, the bread which symbolizes Jesus' body, which was broken for you, the cup which symbolizes that his blood was poured out for the forgiveness of your sins, and I want you to sit with them. And so we're not going to, normally we take it all, all our elements all together. We're not going to do that today. For as long as it works for you, for short as it takes, it's just between you and him. I just want you to take them and consider their meaning. Look at them, feel them, taste them, and just invite the Holy Spirit in. Holy Spirit, what does this say about who you are? What does this teach me about what I need to receive from you today? And then in your own time, take part in that communion. If you want to sit in silence, just because there's people singing and words on the screen, you don't have to do it. Just ignore those things. If you want to sing and worship and, and stand and, and respond in that way, go for it, do it. It's between you and him. But just take the time to listen in and see what the Holy Spirit would have for you. So I'm just going to quickly read about what Jesus instituted uh, with, uh, with uh, the Last Supper, what we take now as communion. And I just want you to listen to that, and then we'll pray. Then we'll just invite him in. Scripture says this, that after taking the cup, Jesus gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it amongst you. For I tell you that I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And so he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we have opportunity to hear from you day in and day out. But Lord, now as, as we worship with you, worship you, we listen to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we take the, the communion elements, none of us would miss out on the opportunity that there is a very real relationship with the living God that is at hand. And so God, will you speak to us? 
Lord, as the communion servers pass on these elements to us, Lord, as we receive them, would you speak to us through the symbols you have given us? As we see and taste them, Lord God, would you remind us of the fact that just because that's good, you went through so much that was painful and hard, and Lord, that has so much to say to us. Lord God, as we go this week, I pray that we would hear that, that we would learn from you, that we would understand how much you love us, and how much you speak to us in this. We thank you for this, and we take communion in your amazing name, Jesus.